This is the story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, kingdom builder, healer. He is the King of glory. He is the resurrecting Savior. They expected a conqueror, but instead they got a servant, crucified and lifted high. And the marks on his hands left us marked for salvation. As I am getting myself set up here, I feel like I can multitask and do things. Um, by the way, the, just a little story. Um, this is going to be an exercise of faith for me this morning um, here with this stage because, um, at, and all the D-Now people are laughing, because uh, I think it was the second session when I, I stood up. Yeah, I, I trust you. I know. I trust you. So this is my exercise of faith. But uh, about midway through the sermon, uh, my foot, my left foot is placed on the far corner of the second platform right here. And it gives way. And um, uh, my life flashed before my eyes. And I thought that was it. That this one was the big one, Elizabeth. And um, see, see, y'all know what I'm talking about. These guys over here have no idea what I just said. Who is Elizabeth? What is this about? But anyway, uh, so, so here we go. Y'all pray for me. All right, let's do this. Okay. Good? All right, okay. Uh, my name is Jimmy. Um, I am a student pastor uh, from Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, in a little town called, well, not a little town, but because uh, um, uh, <laughs> I say little town around here and y'all laugh at me, um, but uh, that Bainbridge has been a, an amazing place, by the way. I, it's a beautiful town. Um, your uh, student pastor, Jeremy, he has been a wonderful ambassador. He's been a good friend of mine for a very long time. Um, Jeremy and I met in Athens uh, many, many moons ago, and so... Um, I know Jeremy uh, from a few friendships and relationships that I've had uh, with people in Athens. So, um, but I am from Spartanburg, South Carolina, a little area called Boiling Springs High or Boiling Springs. Boiling Springs High School is where I graduated high school from. In case any of y'all are keeping record at home, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. I'm a student pastor at a church called View Church, um, where it is a congregation of about seven to eight hundred people and. Um, I, I have been tasked with a wonderful job of uh, ministering to the students of that church and also the uh, college students of that church. Um, the Lord called me to full-time ministry uh, about five years ago. I've been serving students for about 10 to, in total. Um, and it's, it's weekends like this weekend that remind us, that remind me that it's worth it. Um, that the sleepless nights... The, the 4 a.m. Or, or the 11 a.m. or the 1 a.m. theological question text messages that you get. Um, I, I got one this, this past weekend um, from one of my students that I've said, hey, <laughs> he asked me a question about Revelation, and I said, hey, let's back off of that just for a second. I want to get you reading in God's Word first before we start talking about how it's all going to end, okay? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I, I, I love that, and this weekend um, just reminded us and reminded me of of why we do what we do. And, um, and I think there's no better fitting message um, or passage of Scripture to look at than the one we're going to look at this morning in Mark chapter 1. Um, that's where we're going to be at if you have your uh, Scriptures with you. Um, but I want to tell you guys a little bit more about me. Um, I am uh, 36 years old. See, there it is. Y'all see me? I just did it. I just took the step of faith across the gap. We're good. Um, uh, I am a, I'm 36 years old. Um, uh, God uh, radically changed my life when I was 17 through a, uh, through a, a ministry very similar to um, Grace Students. And um, I, I actually 
um, really found out what it meant to really, really lay it down and follow Christ through a ministry like a Disciple Now weekend. So, um, guys, never take for granted what is going on here. This is the future of your church, and, um, and, and it's not a tomorrow thing, it's a now thing. Um, and so, um, you really are, and I'm, and I'm not tooting his own horn, you're really blessed to have a student pastor like Jeremy. He is a guy that will work his fingers to the bone just to see one student come to Christ. And, um, and you also, I, I had a couple minutes, I spoke with your pastor, and, and he has the same vision, and he, he is very supportive. And so, um, y'all are doing a great thing here at Grace Church. Um, so that is, uh, that's a little bit about me and a little bit why I'm standing right here. Um, but I, I know, just kind of as we dive into this uh, this morning, um, I know there was a phrase maybe you guys may have caught a couple of years ago. Um, it was from a popular pop culture television show. Um, I'm not going to say the network or anything like that, but um, it's a phrase that is, that is it, it, do work. Anybody remember that, or is that, does that ring a bell with anybody? No? Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pop culture phrase. It's called do work, and what it means is, 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 is it's to be about getting work done. So as you're going to work, you're doing work. It's a, it's a phrase. It's a slang phrase. And, and that's kind of what I want to focus on today, especially with us as believers. And as we look at Mark 1, it's going to be about looking at Jesus doing work, okay? And not just any kind of work. He's doing kingdom work. Um, and, and here's where we kind of start at with all of this. In, in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, if you guys don't have it uh, in, your, in your scripture, we'll put it up here on the screen for you here in just a couple of couple of seconds, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, and, and it's just, the, it's the Lord's Prayer. It, it is literally a portion of the Lord's Prayer, and I, and I think that this section right here, this was after the fact that Jesus was demonstrating this, and then he showed the disciples how to pray. And so when we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it's Jesus saying that, you know, teaching the disciples how to pray, teaching us, showing us how we, how we should pray, and he says, may your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, and I really want to park and camp out kind of on that kingdom come phrase. A lot of times when we think uh, about the kingdom coming, we focus a lot on the back end of, 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 of Christ setting up his earthly kingdom and, and, or us going to be a part of his kingdom. But, but I think what was kind of revolutionary for me is to back it up and realize that it's, it, being about his kingdom is not just a future mindset. It's, it's a now mindset. Um, being about God's kingdom is, is now and not sometime down the road. Um, so let's just dive into Mark chapter 1, uh, 21 through 24, or 21 through 34 is where we're going to be looking at. But I want to kind of set everything up for you. And I think Mark is a common man's gospel, Okay. Um, he is, if he had a, a, like, royal name, it would be John Mark the Blunt, okay? Because he's short and sweet and to the purpose. My men in the room, this is your gospel, okay? Because he's down to business. He tells it like it is from the get-go. He's straight out of the gate. And, and if you notice, he doesn't pick up telling the birth of Jesus. He picks up at the beginning of Jesus' ministries and talking about his miracles. And, and right here, especially in Mark chapter 1, in this section, he's going to be talking about the authority that is given to him, okay? And that authority is specifically given to him to start the process of his kingdom coming, bringing about the coming of God's kingdom. So as we dive into it, that's a little bit about the context, but a little bit more, I like to zoom in a little bit about 
the uh, locale or the location of where we're at. He's actually going to be in uh, Capernaum, okay? And Capernaum is actually a little south of where he was, Jesus was born, Nazareth. Capernaum is the hub, was the hub for um, ministry. And we're going to find out as we go into the backside of this text that it's, it's also Peter and Andrew's home. Okay, we're Peter and Andrew. And so essentially there are a lot of scholars that say that Jesus set up shop right there in Capernaum and, 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 and did business. Or that was kind of his ministry hub, his home base, if you will, when when doing ministry. OK, um, and like anything, it, we find ourselves really in kind of a similar scenario that Jesus was in is that on the day on the Lord's day, he went to the synagogue to worship. For the, and that's where they taught the scriptures, read the scriptures, worshiped the Lord, and, 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 and gave all, you know, offerings and things like that. And so we really, and, and what was customary as well, is, is the, the teachers that were in the synagogue, anytime a guest teacher kind of showed up, they would allow him time to teach things. So it's kind of ironic that, that I was assigned or, or asked to preach on this passage of scripture, and I'm the guest teacher at Grace Church this morning. Uh, teaching you guys God's word. So let me just say this. I, I don't take for granted any time a pastor relinquishes his pulpit because I know he has to be incredibly careful who he relinquishes that pulpit to. Um, and, and I pray that, and as we pray here in a couple minutes, I'm just going to ask God that he would just uh, help me handle his word correctly this morning. Okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll dive into Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 21 through 24. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Um, I thank you so much just that we have gotten to worship. Um, and that we uh, get to worship, that we get to gather as a group of believers. And Lord, um, that in this time, that as we study your word, that it's not about me, and, and, but it's about you. Um, Lord, and I just ask that, uh, just that you would speak through your word. And Lord, as we come to, to your words and your text, that your word, your lessons, that your, your teaching spill from it. Lord, because this, uh, your word is... Is, is living and, and, and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you bless this time and uh, be honored through it. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we set up, like I said, this is Mark. And he's literally, and, and Mark likes to do a lot of things. And, and Mark is very similar to my mind. I'm a very orderly guy. I, I'm the kind of guy that if I have a bag of M&M's, I will dump the bag of M&M's out on the table, and this is, of course, if I'm just not riding down the road, popping M&M's and, and eating them, I'll, pu I'll pour the bag of M&M's out on the table, and I will sort by color, and then I will sort, I will put them in line by number, okay, the fewest to the greatest, and, and then I will proceed to eat the M&M's from greatest to fewest. That's my mind, and so this is the kind of guy we're dealing with, when, with, with Mark, okay? He's a very orderly mind. And so as we walk through the text this morning, you're going to see timestamps, okay? You're going to see phrases like next and then, suddenly, upon the next time. The very things that's saying he's kind of just being very blunt and progressing through the story, okay? So let's just dive in right here in the 21st verse and uh, get going and just uh, let God's word uh, speak, okay? Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Jesus and his companions... That means all of his friends, all of his buddies, all of his boys went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue and he began to teach. We've kind of talked about that. We've already said that it's kind of similar to what we're doing right now, gathering for worship, listening to the teaching of God's word. Okay? This is where it gets interesting, though. In verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers 
of the religious law. And so here's the reality behind it. This is the beginning, and Mark's kind of making note of this. This is the beginning of when Jesus kind of starts to show his cards as to actually who he is. And the notation of the fact that he taught with authority is a notation pointing back to, in the reality of, who he is. That God in flesh, Emmanuel. So literally, God in the flesh is standing before these people in the synagogue teaching his word to them and so that's where the authority is coming from and so let me just say if Jesus was standing right here in front of you guys right now he would be a whole lot better teacher than than whatever you've kind of ruled in your mind so far about me he would be blowing me out of the water why because he is the son of God he's God in flesh nobody to know the word of God better than God in the flesh Jesus himself and so that's what these guys were amazed by was that the authority and that they had never heard such clear teaching like this. They had heard a lot of stuff, but they had not heard clear teaching like this. So let's jump on to uh, verse 23. This is where you get that first time stamp from Mark. He says, suddenly, and, I, and, and this wasn't a, a, oh, and by the way, this was a, a boom, suddenly. Just a, a, a matter of fact, kind of. Kind of, if you've ever been driving down the road in a flat tire, you know, if you've ever had a tire blow up on you or whatever, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it catches you off guard. Or maybe, maybe when a loud noise happens, and some, a book falls on the ground or whatever, it's a suddenly sound, it's an abrupt sound, and, and we're going to see why it's an abrupt sound here in just a second. Okay? It says, suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting. And so this shouting wasn't a, ah! Uh, I'm an evil spirit. Uh, no, it wasn't anything like that. Please don't take this lightly of what was going on here. This shouting was not just a, uh, you know, really loud shout. I'm trying to be kind of respectful because I don't want to, like, be too loud here. Um, this was a shriek, okay? A, 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 if you've ever heard kind of one of those horror movie, blood-curdling scream-type shrieks from, from somebody, that's what we're dealing with here. Now, notice what's going on. You've got Jesus teaching from God's Word with authority, okay? And then suddenly, this happens. This shriek, okay? This shriek happens. And, and, and I, I just want, want to point this out because the authority of God's Word was being proclaimed and, and, and the devil was showing up trying to distract, okay? Now, I've been, I've been in ministry for a couple of years um, and I've been working with students for over 10 years, but I've, I've worked in various ministries, child evangelism fellowship. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I, I've done backyard Bible clubs and sharing a wordless book. I've been on mission trips and everywhere, but there's one thing that remains the same. And it's kind of funny because it even happened to an extent last night when the gospel was being proclaimed in this room. When I was being trained by child evangelism fellowship, there was this phrase that went on that said, uh, that, that Satan drove an ice cream truck, okay? Now, listen, hear, hear me out. I'm not saying if you drive an ice cream truck or that ice cream, ice cream well, ice cream trucks can be bad. Let me just say that. But especially with, I, I was, I, I've got type 2 diabetes, so I've got to be careful with that. So Satan could drive an ice cream, you know. But what, I, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is, is that there always seems that when God's word is being proclaimed, and, and when there, there's, there's, there's stuff being called out, that, especially when the gospel's being taught and, and, and a decision is to be made from those that God's working on, that the Holy Spirit's working inside of, there always seems to be some type of distraction. Okay? 
Um, I was the first child that I ever had the opportunity to lead to Christ. Uh, we were doing a backyard Bible club kind of in a, a metal shed area, and it was near a cove on a lake. Well, as I was starting to get to the point to talk about Jesus and what Jesus did, died on the cross for, for our sins and took that penalty, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, we, can have an, we have an opportunity to have a relationship with the one true living God, the only God. And, and I kid you not, guys, as, as, I, as that was happening, there was this guy on a jet ski and now I was sharing Christ with like a, it was a nine-year-old little boy. I remember it just like it was yesterday. A nine-year-old little boy. And my back was to the cove of where the lake was. There was this dude on this jet ski that decided to come into this cove in the, min, in, in the middle of me sharing Christ with this little kid. And he was doing flips and cutting around. In the, so Satan was on that jet. Not really. I'm not calling that dude Satan. But he, he's the author of distractions sometimes. He will use anything to distract you from growing closer in your relationship with Jesus. And this is what was going on. Now here's another funny thing that I, I want to, because I, I hear me out when I bring this up. I don't want you guys like scanning across the crowd when I bring this up. I don't want I'm not calling anybody out. But, but here's kind of what I noticed about this passage of scripture. This was in a place of worship, on a day of worship, right? And this guy, this man, this demon-possessed man, suddenly shrieked out, okay? He called out. Let's, let's, I want to make sure I'm finishing the scripture before we... We get too far in, into this, but yeah, I think, I think I've covered it here. 27, suddenly the man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, shrieking, okay? This man, and, and here's my thought and, and the question that kind of popped into my head about this, is how long had this man been worshiping with this congregation and nothing was noticed about it or nothing was said about it or um, nothing was, was brought to their attention? Or he could have been a man that just showed up that day because we're, we're going to talk a little bit later about and we're going to see where people just showed up to watch the show when Jesus came into town. But that makes us think because that and that brings me back to a lot of stuff. But I, I kind of want to point some other stuff out before we kind of build on that and, and see what what Jesus was doing right here is this distraction had happened. Right. But 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 the distraction because of Jesus being who he was and is. He's going to take this distraction and turn it into a demonstration of his authority and power. And so that's, that's one of the big things that I think is really amazing when we start to break down the scripture a little bit more. Let's look at verse 24. He says, and this is some creepy phrasing right here. <laughs> the man says, he says, why are you interfering? He doesn't say with me. He says, why are you interfering with us? Anyway, uh, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One sent from God. See, here's, here's the thing. The, the, the demon and the man must have been very familiar with each other because he said us. Husbands, wives, anytime y'all are working in a pair doing anything, you, you, hopefully you refer to each other as us. You're a team. You know, when I talk about my wife and we're going somewhere, it's not just Jimmy. It's, it's us. It's me and my wife, McKenna, that we are going together in a pair where it be Target woo, um, or, or wherever it may be. So this guy was very, this demon was very familiar with this guy and vice versa. So he'd set up shop for a while. But the, the interesting thing that he does, and he points out here, and I, and I want to, want to <laughs> let you guys see, is, is that he identifies Jesus 
by in two ways. He says Jesus of Nazareth, which is the earthly identification or the earthly definition of who Jesus is. But then he also identifies him as Holy One of God, which is, which is he, he's, he's acknowledging his eternal and his spiritual, his spiritual uh, position as well, who he is. And that reminded me of James... <laughs> That reminded me of James chapter 2, 19, when it, when, it says, when it says this. It says, you say you have faith for you believe that, that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. And see, this, this moment kind of points out to me a little bit of the dangers of cultural Christianity. Okay? It, it, we, we like, this is a good family time for us to come in. And worship the Lord, it is good family building time, okay? But, but when it comes down to it, when we make decisions to follow Christ, it, it's not just proclaiming Christ on our t-shirts, okay? Or on our bumper stickers, okay? The main verse that we've been looking at with the students this past weekend is, is, is the, the basically it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the greatest, one of the greatest commandments, the two commandments that... Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. And so when we look at that and what, I, what I've had the opportunity and the privilege of teaching the students this weekend is that to love the Lord your God starts with the center of who you are. And a lot of times we refer to the heart, we think of just kind of this cute little moment where we, we ask Jesus into our heart. Now, that's talking about full surrender because when they use the phrasing of the heart, it's talking about the center of who you are as a physical person, but also as a spiritual person. So, for example, everything that Jimmy McFarlane is, from the, the fact that I play drums to the fact that I, I love to piddle with graphic design, the fact that I'm a husband, a, a student pastor, or whatever, a, a, a lover of coffee, um, I can keep on going here. But everything that Jimmy McFarlane is that makes Jimmy McFarlane up revolves, the center of what that revolves around, the heart of everything that that revolves around is Jesus Christ and his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what's going on. That, that's what we talked a lot about this week. And that's what is going on here because it, it's easy for us to say, oh, I believe in God. And James was actually kind of getting sarcastic with some believers. And he said, well, good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> and he said, even the demons believe. That's the thing. When we talk about a personal relationship, I, I just didn't, when I married my wife, I just didn't say I do and kiss her on the lips. And as we walked down the, back, down the aisle of the back of the church, I split one way and she went the other way. Do you think, how long would my marriage have lasted if that is exactly what I did? She would have filed for an annulment immediately, okay? The reason that we are together, we have a relationship day in, day out. Because of my faith in Christ, I want to get to know him. I want to get to know him through his word, spending time with him, okay, and growing with him, okay? And so when we talk about this, it's pointing back to this passage of scripture in the 24th verse is giving backbone to James 2.19 because James is pointing, you know, I want to speculate, kind of figure, think that James had heard of this encounter at least because he was a disciple as well. And so when we look at this and we see that the demon literally is acknowledging and knowing who he is and acknowledging his authority. So you've got the authority and the acknowledgement of the people from his teaching. But then what happens is this demon shrieks and then all of a sudden the, the, the distraction became an opportunity, uh, an opportunity for the demonstration of, of Christ's authority. Okay, 
And Mark's sitting here just like observing it and taking it all in and writing it all down. And, and, it's, and it's just beautiful, okay? Now, back to the thing. The, the, the distraction turned into the, uh, became a de- uh, demonstration not just, not just to, for, for Jesus to, to solidify who he was and is, but also to, to establish the kingdom, Okay? And from an a empirical standpoint, when you look at a kingdom, when you talk about a kingdom, the king is, on the, is the ruler of the kingdom, and those who are servants, those who are the people that are of the kingdom are servants to the king, to the throne, okay? The, really, the only kind of modern-day kingdom that we have is Queen Elizabeth, okay? The British kingdom, the British monarchy, okay? And it's, I, what, you probably have opinions about it, but, but that's kind of the big thing that we have as far as the closest example, okay? And so when I'm in servant, servant to the throne, if I said I am a servant to the throne of England, that, didn't have, that, that wouldn't have gone over very well in these territories a couple of hundred years ago. I would have probably been put to death. But for someone to say that I am a servant to the throne of England, that means that everything that they do as, as a citizen of that nation is, is to better to make known the throne, the queen, Okay, and so when we start to think about God's kingdom and the kingdom coming, this is all this perspective and the establishment of of God's kingdom is is happening by the authority being demonstrated by Jesus Christ here in this passage of scripture. So let's keep on working. 25 and 26. This is this is really uh, fun stuff, too, here. He says, uh, verse 25, Jesus cut him short and he said, be quiet. He didn't give him an option. He he cut him short because so they're shrieking. Loud shrieking going on, distractions, people in the synagogue that are gathered to worship. Kind of imagine if that scenario busted out right here. Shrieking, and then all of a sudden, this, this demon-possessed man, and he's identifying uh, Jesus as to who he is. And Jesus, the next response from Jesus, he just says, hey, be quiet. That's it. And then he said, come out of, this, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed. And then threw the man in convulsions and came out of him. Y'all, I don't know, know about y'all, but that, that would be a little crazy. Uh, and that would, that would kind of freak me out a little bit. But this was, the once again, the establishment of God's kingdom going. And, and, and this is the literally, especially this man being paired with this demon for so long. He started to convulse. He started to literally bring damage to that man's body. Okay? Which goes back to, to, to prove fit that the enemy is still the enemy and he's still going to do his characteristics never change because the enemy does nothing but to come to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? And so what the enemy was doing right now through, through this demon and this man was he was killing, he was bringing harm, he was destroying this man upon even just kind of his last stand and exit out of this man, okay? Upon the authority of Jesus saying, come out. They were having church, y'all. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. But but here's here's kind of the response about that. <clears throat> it, it gives us a reminder that we need to armor up. We need to apply Ephesians 6:10 to our lives. We need to apply 1 Corinthians 10:13. And here's the reality: when I say armor up, I tell a lot of my guys a lot of times when they're heading into battle, you know, uh, in the school. Or, or, or wherever, to armor up and to realize that your, your war is not waged with physical weapons. 
When we fight this spiritual war to have strength, to be about warriors of God's kingdom, to see his kingdom come, we've got to be about fighting with weapons that are spiritual weapons. We fight with the sword. We get on our knees and we fight with prayer. We proclaim his word. We tell others. We live it out. That's the way we fight spiritually. There's a couple of other ways we can get into but I want to get to this end of this passage of Scripture before today's over with. So um, let, let's kind of keep on rolling. And, and, and once again, the theme of God's kingdom is, is, is still present in these verses. Verses 27 and 28. Let's go to that right quick. And, I, and this is kind of a funny part, too. All this is happening, and, and it's drawn a crowd, okay? So what's going to happen? We're here in this, in this scenario here at Grace Church this morning. Uh, somebody stands up, starts shrieking. You know, we, we find ourselves in this very, very same scenario Everybody's attention is going to go wherever that person or or wherever would start happening, okay? And so that that would be going on, and everybody would would be kind of their jaws would drop open, and that's what's happening right here in verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Verse twenty-seven, he said, amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They 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 asked excitedly. It has such there it is again authority. That even the evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. What's funny is that amazement word is dumbfounded. It's kind of the word that we get dumbfounded from. Okay? And, and, and I lovingly say this, but if you've ever raised a teenager, you know kind of the dumbfounded look. Right? Where are your car keys? Oh. Why, why are your shoes in the middle of the living room? Oh. It's more serious. The more serious the question becomes, the less of a verbal word response that you get. So it's kind of indicative of how much trouble they're in, that they know that they're in, the less words that they speak. Okay, you know who who didn't take out the trash? Uh Right? I'm guilty of it because I I don't I don't know. And so this that's the kind of dumbfounded that's going on. These people were going, huh, what, 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 what? and they were, you know, probably grunting. Who knows? And, and that's what's going on right here, and, and, and it's a dumbfounded look. But I think what we, we don't need to miss right here is, are we still amazed when the demonstration of God's power is seen today? Ladies and gentlemen, we just saw in a video the demonstration of God's power that is still alive and active today. We saw my boy John go from death to life last night. Spiritually dead, he wakes up and he makes a decision to follow Christ. And that is his profession of faith. Hey, hey John, I don't know if you knew this, but you just preached your first sermon, dude. You just said that you're a follower of Jesus. There's no going back from this point. That's the work of God. That's the kingdom of God still working today. People going from spiritual death to spiritual life. God raising dry bones and saying, wake up, walk, proclaim my name. Breathing new life into us so that we may be about his kingdom coming. We may live it out, walk it out, talk it out. Share it. Do whatever you got to do to be about the coming of Jesus Christ, about his kingdom 
coming. And that's what's going on here. And here's the reality. What impact would we have on our culture? How would Bainbridge be different? If everyone in this room said, in, my, in, in the best way that I know how, I'm just going to start where I am and be about living out the kingdom of God in my life because Jesus Christ has changed me. How would your first period block whatever? How would that be different? Your 8.30 class. When you clock in at work tomorrow morning, 7.30, 6, 4, whatever. How would your world be different? If we were living out that authority of the kingdom of God coming, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, Letting people know about the glory of God. Living it out. Yes, even when that slow person is in the left-hand lane going down the main stretch of road here and you've got to get somewhere really quick. Even in those moments. Verse 28, though. This is where it gets interesting. We've got to keep on going here. Verse 28, verse 28. Give me just a second here. This, this thing's kind of tugging on me. Verse 28, I'll, I'll read. Let me find it here. Verse 28. I've already covered verse 28. Let's, let's go to verse 29. Okay? Because he, here's the reality, too. This is, this is kind of going back to this whole Jesus doing work thing. This has been a long day of work for Jesus. Because it's one of those things where you think that right now you've ever had one of those days at work where you think it's over. And then all of a sudden you've got to go back and do something more. And, and, but, but here's the thing. Kingdom work is never over. Grab that scope. It's not something that we clock in and we clock out of. If we're following Christ, we're all about the coming of his kingdom. We're all about proclaiming. We're all about doing what we can in our way to, to tell people about Jesus. Let's start with, uh, let's, let's go on to verse 28. Verse 28, after, there's another time stamp by Mark, okay? After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home, Simon Peter, and now Simon's mother-in-law was sick. Don't miss, don't miss verse 29. Simple fact, simple point. Don't leave your relationship with Jesus in this gym. Take him home. Parents, one of the greatest things you can do when it comes to discipling your children is opening up the word of God in front of them and showing them how to study God's word. Because, because, and, and I take blame for this, my generation, because we are not, I have not been as on point about doing that, we are raising a generation of people who are biblically illiterate. Because we're not just doing a simple thing of opening up God's word, taking Jesus home with us. Let's keep on. Verse, uh, verse, verse 30, it says, Now Simon's mother-in-law, was sick and in bed with a high fever. And when they told Jesus about her, uh, excuse me, uh, sick, sick and in bed with a high fever, when they told Jesus about her, uh, he, Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside and took her by the hand and helped her sit up. And then the fever left her. Notice what she does, okay? She encounters Jesus. Jesus comes to her, meets her where she's at, heals her. And notice what she does. Does she lay back down and go back to sleep? Dare I say no, she does not, okay? Then, when the fever left her, she prepared a meal for them. She got up and did the first thing that she knew how to do to serve God's kingdom. She served. She got up and, and fixed a meal for her guest. It's also in the small things that we can do to serve God's kingdom. 
We, we, we don't have to be the next Billy Graham. We don't have to know a lot about God's Word because we, we, can, we can rely a lot on the Holy Spirit because we're given that Holy Spirit to kind of guide us and lead us through these things. But what, what, what his mother-in-law did here, and I think it's funny too because this is his mother-in-law, but there's a lot of jokes there that we probably don't have time to go into. Um, but but she, she got up. And here's the reality. When you experience Jesus, when you meet Jesus, there's going to be clear life change. And when there's clear life change, you're going to want to serve and be about the kingdom work, about the coming of his kingdom. That's what happened here. She got up and she served. Let's keep on looking here. God, this is, I love this. I love God's word, y'all. Verse 32. Even more so. This was kind of in the afternoon. So we've got morning. The, the dude, the demon, shrieks out in the synagogue. He, he pulls the demon out. He, he, he heals the man of the demon, in demon possession. The, the people were in awe. They were amazed at the authority of God. And so here's Mark once again clicking away at a timestamp. He's putting a timestamp so that, that our orderly minds will know what's going on here. So he says, that evening, he says, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Here's the reality of what this is going to point out. Let me, let, me, let me finish this too. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So 32, here's the reality about what happens with verse 32. Even when God's working, even when God's working, people are going to be naturally drawn. If they see the work that Jesus has done in your life, and you are living it out, they're going to be naturally drawn to literally ask you the question, why are you so different? Why are you doing what you're doing? And when those questions come, guess what? That's God opening up a door to, to give you an opportunity to, to and, and you can just say a little prayer at that moment, Lord, give me the words to say to point them to you. And that's your opportunity. It's not, well, I'm just a good person, or well, no, those are your opportunities to point people to Jesus. And so what happens is when Jesus heals uh, the, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, the, the word has spread also about him healing the demon-possessed man, and they figure out where he's at. And so the people, many sick and demon-possessed people, were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered to watch. Now here's the reality, too. There's going to be a lot of people that just come to the doorway and kind of peek in just to see the show. And they'll never come to Jesus and say, and repent of their sin to follow him and believe in him and place faith in him. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Profess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and place faith in him. They'll sit at the doorway to watch the show and never turn. And that breaks my heart. Because we need to be about all about getting those people to hear and turn and, and give their lives over to Jesus and be about the kingdom coming. Let me wrap this thing up, y'all. Verse 34. It says, So Jesus healed many people who were sick, various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, there it is again, just like the guy in the synagogue, because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. He, he, he basically told them to be quiet. Okay? And I'm using the, the proper phrasing because I know we still have children in here. So, um, And I know parents a little bit about you not using that phrase. So they, he told them to be quiet, okay? 
And they, they were. See, that's the, the authority of, of even, even at the moments that you think that, that the devil has a one-up on you, if you are in Christ with the Holy Spirit in you, you've got the strength, his strength, not your strength, his strength to overcome those times and those places. But I, I think this is, this is a beautiful thing of, of, of looking at seeing how Mark was establishing the authority of Jesus and seeing how his kingdom was starting to come about. Here's the reality. Is that we, the kingdom, is still in the process of coming. And we are ambassadors. I had, a, I had the privilege of, of, when I was in high school, with some accomplishments, um, I received a, a nice little scroll in the mail one day, and it was like really, it was sealed and all this other stuff. And um, I opened it up, and... It listed a, a nice little piece of legislation, you know, and it was signed by my local representative. And what that piece of legislation said was that because of some accomplishments of a team that I had been a part of in high school, that I was, I was voted as an official ambassador of the state of South Carolina. So I don't know, guys, if you knew this, but you now have an ambassador of the state of South Carolina on your stage this morning. Woo, right? I know it's a big deal. But, but that, that kind of, at that moment, I said, wow, that's really cool because... I love my home state. I love the fact that we, it, it looks like a piece of pie. I love the fact that the state, mil, uh, sta, state drink is milk. The, the state flower is the yellow jasmine. The state bird is the Carolina wren. Uh, I can go on, but I don't want to bore you with this stuff. But I'm an ambassador to the state of South Carolina. I would love to talk to you about my state, especially the 2018-2019 national champions. Woo! Sorry. Um, I, but, but I love, I'm an ambassador for the state of South Carolina, but even more so, I'm an ambassador to Jesus Christ for what he's done in my life. I want to talk about the kingdom. I want to exhaust my life for the coming of God's kingdom. Because the more I proclaim to people, the more it puts into the process of the coming of his kingdom. And praise God that we get to be a part of it. Jesus closed with this. He told later on in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's our main message of, of bringing about and being about. Any way, what, you are given specific tools, by the way, specific tools, a toolbox to reach the people that only you can reach. There are people that you can reach that I can't reach. I tell that to students all the time. You're placed in one of the craziest mission fields in the, that the United States has ever seen, and that's the public high school classroom. That's one of the greatest. We've got a group of missionaries over here, y'all. One way that we can be about the kingdom coming is I, I'm going to challenge this church today to go over here and find a student know their name, write their name down on a card or something and ask them, hey, where do you go to school and how can I pray for you? And then commit to pray for that kid for the next year until Bainbridge D now comes back up again. And then go back up to them and say, Timmy, John, Billy, Sarah, whatever. How's God worked this year? That's about kingdom coming, guys. That's about the kingdom coming. We, in any way that we can, need to find ways. And praise God that we get to be a part of it. We get to exhaust ourselves. We get to have a long day like Jesus had. And when we're tired, we lay down 
take a couple Advil, get some sleep, get back up and do it all over again. Praise God, because we get to. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, thank you so much. Just uh, in what you've given in your word, um, and especially the reminder um, of your kingdom work. And just this authority, not, not our authority, but your authority. Through your word, through what you've done, through your son Jesus Christ. Lord, and, and just we thank you so much that this is, this, is, this is what we get to be a part of. God, bless this time. And Lord, uh, may this word have been honoring to you. And um, may it impact for days to come. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.